Hello and welcome to episode 53 of the Wildcast. And for those of you out there that watch Hot Fuzz, you can make your own jokes about this episode. Um, like we said last time, Joe's moved on to things much higher and better, especially if you see the angle of the uh, commentary box in, in Slough. Um, but I'm here with Tom. Tom, firstly, I've got no internet at home, so thank you for hosting. Yeah, so that's all right. It's um, kind of handy that we were able to do this in person now and you know we kind of live close enough together to make it work so yeah um yeah you'll hopefully have internet soon and we can go back to using a popular video conferencing software that has no name yeah 100 percent. one day we're going to slip up and say the name of that software but for now we're i think we're 53 episodes in we're all good um so thursday hockey tomorrow let's start with the breaking news uh Russ Cowley is a Swindon Wildcat. Are we surprised? About as surprised as, you know, if you told me the sky is blue or water is wet. I think it's not exactly been the... I think it's... I think the word, the worst kept secret in hockey is probably the one that you can use. And I think every summer there's a worst kept secret in British hockey. And this year it just feels like it's been Russ to Swindon. It's kind of been rumoured and rumoured and kind of everyone has sort of been saying I've heard Russ is coming to Swindon, I've heard Russ is coming to Swindon and yeah it's nice that obviously it can be confirmed now, um, obviously there's reasons why he hasn't been able to play for the first few weeks, he's not been available but yeah great to have him in the roster and great to kind of be able to talk about it at last Yeah and a proper uh, proper big signing in terms of depth you know, we're going to come on to the results we've had over the last three weeks since we last did an episode, which was just before the Bristol weekend. Um, but needless to say, Russ is a very good player. Uh, he's a very experienced player. He's a player that can play literally every single position on the ice, possibly even in goal, I guess. You know, he'd never know. Give it a go. I think, yeah, like you said, I think he'd give it a go. Um, he's played on a top line. He's played second line. He's played third line. He's played D. He's played wing. He's played centre. He is about as flexible as they get and adding somebody to the lineup like that now is is only going to make this team stronger yeah absolutely and i mean let's make no bones about it russ cowley is at the back end of his career you know he's not you know a young hockey player anymore but he brings great experience and versatility as you say he's a former you know a long time elite league player former captain of numerous clubs former GB international so he's got going to bring an awful lot of experience to that locker room and an awful lot of quality to that team and I think the signing you say talk about versatility I think it kind of links into how Aaron now seems to want this team to be built this year and there's guys across that team who can play up and down the lineup if you look at a guy you know Colby Tower has come in as an import he could he's got this game that can play on different roles, different lines. You've got guys like Jack Goodchild, Reed Sayers, Sam Bullis, Chris Jones. They're all guys who can play up and down that forward unit and play all sorts of different Loris Taylor is another one who you know you can play him as a skill forward and get, ask him to play that offensive role. You can ask him to go on the third line and play a bit more defensive and grinding hockey. And I think that's really what Aaron seems to be building with this team, more so perhaps than last year, which was maybe a weakness that we had a lot of guys who had a certain skill set and this year I think the ask for players is you've got to be more well-rounded you've got to be more versatile 
And the same can be said for the defensive group as well, obviously particularly with Eddie going back there. But yeah, I think, as you say, it's going to bring an awful lot to the team and certainly the versatility is, um, yeah, it's, it's a big thing. Yeah, um, yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think, like we said, we know what Russ can bring. Uh, I like the fact that, and I don't, how do I word this? I like the fact that over the summer we signed four players, five players, four players. Three of them wore C's last year. Yeah. We've added leadership into this locker room. Um, you know, Loris did it in Bristol, Russ did it in Milton Keynes, and obviously Colby did it uh, at university. And not that I think our team lacked leadership, because I don't think it did, um, but it's easy to forget. We've lost Lydiard over the summer, and there was a massive amount of experience and leadership on that jersey. And we've added Russ, who is probably one of the few players... He, he can't match Lids' experience. I don't think anybody can. That guy played you know, since there was black and white televisions. But, um, yeah, he, he adds that. And I think I think it's a really good move. I think a lot of talk over the summer was we needed a big signing. Uh, we knew there was going to be uh, an import to replace Emil. Uh, that was kind of a separate scenario. A lot of people said there needs to be a big name. Where's the big name? Um, okay, the big names come at the end of September, but the big name's here, and that's a great pickup. Forgive me for sounding like Todd Kelman. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, and I think, you know, we're getting, we're not getting the Russ Cowley of the Coventry Blaze years. You know, you're getting a guy who is at that, as you say, at, as I said already, the back end of his career. But I still think you're getting a guy, he showed it in Milton Keynes last year, even though he's slowing down, he can still add a lot to a hockey team. You can, you know, you're not necessarily, there's not the pressure on him here either. I don't think to be the, go-to guy as a forward like he's going to chip in offensively he's going to be probably a big piece of the penalty kill as well and potentially get some power play time but you've got you know guys like Aaron and Malash and Chris Jones and others who are going to carry that heavy lifting on the offense and if Russ can give you solid secondary scoring while also being a leader and adding some defensive responsibility to that forward group it's only going to make the team better and We'll go on to the games in a minute, but you know, certainly including the preseason, defensive responsibility seems to be a real thing about the Cats' early season games. Perhaps again, perhaps more so than last year. And it's not been boring hockey by any sense, but certainly, you know, there has been an emphasis on keeping pucks away from the net. And Russ is only going to help with that. He's, um, you know, that's the way he plays. Yeah, for sure. And. Like you said, let's, let's touch on those games. Obviously, we last recorded an episode before Bristol. Um, we're six wins under the belt since then. Two wins that kind of actually mean something. Um, a good start, I think. I don't think you can... Let's, let's focus on a league campaign. 12-0, uh, 3-0. That's about as perfect as you get. You've had two goalies, uh, two shutouts. Neither of them got man of the match, which is probably the first time that's ever happened anywhere in history. Um I, no injuries. Yeah, we got through it. Okay, uh, God has missed Saturday against against Hull, but he was back on Sunday, so hopefully that was just a knock. And generally, you can't ask for much more than that. No, absolutely not. And I mean, I mean, let's if we start with the twelve mil, largely because I wasn't at the three nil and didn't actually watch it because of other commitments and wasn't able to even be back in time to watch the stream, unfortunately. But you know. Okay, let's let's start with the obvious. 
we were playing a extremely weakened Hull Seahawks side. You know, that was a team had no imports, no Declan Barmer. You're missing one of the two netminders who would arguably potentially be the, been the starter that night. Potentially not. You know, certainly McLaughlin and Warburton are going to be, you know, splitting that splitting that all, all season, you'd have thought. So you're missing a netminding option. You certainly didn't have the option to take Warburton out as things got unravelled and give him a break. Um, but yeah, you're missing Barmer, you're missing your imports, you're missing Matty Davis, you're missing Sam Towner. That's that's not the sort of sort of that's not the sort of injury list, or not just injury, but un- unavailability list that any team is going to be able to match, bar maybe one in this league. And yeah, you know, I think we'd be in the same position if you took out our imports and top Brits as well. Like we'd be struggling. So. Yeah, there's there's definitely you know mitigating circumstances for Hull, and if any of their fans are listening, you know better times are definitely coming. Like, you know, we know that you know help is on the way there. But on the flip side, it, you can only beat what's in front of you, and it was a really polished Cats performance. Um, there weren't, apart from you know maybe a couple of couple of spells where Hull got a little bit of pressure, got a, we got a bit scrambly around the net. It didn't ever really feel. Like we were under threat. We also gave him Cameron Hamill, who was probably the bright spark in the Hull attack, a few breakaways. Um, that's something that maybe Aaron straight off face-offs as well. Perhaps something that Aaron wouldn't have been quite so pleased to see from his, you know, from his um, group. But yeah, I'm, the scoring was everyone, pretty much. I think about everyone in terms of the skaters. Everyone apart from Ollie Stone and Stevie Whitfield got a point in that one. You know, you had guys like Jack and Reed chipping in with goals um, the big the big names obviously got on the scoreboard Alan Ellard three points Malash had a couple of points a couple of goals there Colby had a goal and an assist Chris Jones had a goal and a couple of assists or a couple of goals and an assist I can't remember which way around it was but um, yeah mostly the scoring was quite spread and yeah just a controlled game yeah there's not really much more to add um, like you said Hull there's your players are coming your top end players are coming and there is still a big part of me that thinks that is going to be a scary team when when you get all those boys back or or here in the in the case of Emil and, and Andre Tamar when you get them in your lineup they're going to be very good players we we've seen Emil play for a year he is a good hockey player um you guys in Hull know what Andre can bring he is also a very good hockey player uh, if not a slightly better hockey player. Um, Matty Davis is one of the premier Brits in the league. Sam Towner, again, is up there and is easily a very good top six option for pretty much every team in the National League. And, yeah, Declan Barmer, top four defenseman for every team in the National League with three years, at least, if not four, of elite league experience under his belt. When you get those guys back, you're not going to get beat 12-0 and, spoiler alert, 9-0 um, every weekend. You know, don't get me wrong. That's a tough weekend, and I watched the interview with with Matty Davies, um, which I think came out on Monday morning um, after the weekend. And he kind of said it. You know, he's he's asking his words were, "You're asking 16 and 17 year olds to go up against Aaron Nell and Thomas Malazinski in Swindon. Um, that's that's tough. They can only do what they can do, and they've not experienced the speed of this national level a lot of those kids, let alone guys like Thomas and Aaron." Um, from a Swindon perspective professional is probably how I would describe it we got the job done yes we scored 12 goals 
yes, I've seen some comments about our top line power play playing with 12 minutes to go, scoring goals. My argument to that is it was a 5-1-3 power play. We haven't played that all season. Um, you've got you've got to play. You've got to do it, you, and you can only rest you can only rest guys so often. You if you to. take if you took your top line and your top five guys out of the team, all of a sudden we're a lineup with even only six or seven players. They can't play for fifteen minutes. Um, and again, I don't think Aaron Thomas, CJ, Colby. Don't think any of them stepped off the ice onto the ice for the last ten minutes of that game. Um, despite personally me really wanting Aaron to, but I'll come on to that shortly. Um, yeah, and that was kind of Saturday, really. Job done, two points in the bag. Um, unless there's anything else you want to add. I guess just worth a quick shout-out as well as a debut goal for Jamie Smith, 16-year-old, uh, you know, an academy prospect, homegrown player. And, yeah, gets debut goal, gets a game-winning goal, which, OK, doesn't mean too much in a 12-0 win. But, yeah, he got the first goal, which is the game-winner in that in that game. And, yeah, um yeah, really nice moment for him, I'm sure, and his family, and hopefully the first of many games in a Wildcats jersey to come. He did look, you know, he 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 looked like a lad who's got some size. And Aaron mentioned in the you know his post game that he's been training with the Cats for with the senior team for a while. He's really really come on in the last year, so hopefully the kind of you know you, you, the question has been one of the other questions over the summer was, you know. Um, well, with all the with the young guys we've lost, guys like you know Ollie Endicott going abroad, Kane Russell going abroad, guys going to Bristol, who is who are the guys who are going to step in if we get those injuries or suspensions? Who's coming in to fill out the lineup? And Jamie hopefully is one of a few who can do that. And yeah, he looked again not the strongest opposition, unfortunately, because of you know the situation in Hull at the moment. But yeah, you know it was a promising debut from him. Yeah, no, I. Apologies to Jamie for me kind of not forgetting about that, but in the chaos of 12 goals to talk about, um, yeah, sometimes you don't remember everything. Um, Sunday, I'm presuming you're going to want me to talk about Sunday. Yeah, maybe if I ask the questions for a change, because, yeah, like I say, unfortunately, due to personal other things going on, I wasn't able to make the game, and because of the timing of said other things, I wasn't even able to watch the live stream. So the game was over before I got back here. Um but a 3-0 win for the Wildcats in Sheffield against the Steel Dogs, the reigning cup and playoff champions. You know, the last time we saw the, saw the Sheffield Steel Dogs, they were winning at Coventry. So, yeah, I didn't really, I must admit, I didn't know how we would come out in that game because you've got the, obviously, the usual thing in Sheffield of it's a journey, you're going to have the, the, you know, the classic bus legs and slow start on the road. We also have had three games in a row which have been pretty pretty straightforward wins you know you had the 9-2 nine, nine against Telford okay a 4-1 away win in Telford but again it wasn't a game where I don't think we felt that stretched and then a 12-0 win at home so it was suddenly a big step up to be going up against a team with Jason Hewitt and Matt Bissonnette and others in the lineup and who are coming off a playoff win so yeah over to you though I guess Ben because you can tell me what happened <laughs> yeah no it's very fair um I think I said to you on a text message after the game, actually, I think I said it was controlled. Uh, the first period was nil-nil. Both sides had a couple of good chances to kind of find that opening goal. Um, both sides had power plays uh, in that first period. Uh, there was a few calls from home and away sides about questionable decisions and refereeing 
not blunders because they weren't blunders, but it was just the uh, the, the classic hockey is back. Let's uh, rephrase that. Sorry, competitive hockey is back. Therefore, every decision you hear is is not right or wrong. Um, but yeah, it was it was controlled. Both sides kind of cancelled each other out in the first period. I think we're going into that first break. I felt very much like it was a fair reflection of how things had gone. I suppose the fairest way probably would have been as if it was 1-1 because I think both sides had some good chances. Second period again, we kind of, we played a lot of penalty kill in that second period um, and we played a lot of good penalty kill in that second period and I think that was, I don't think it was a momentum changer per se but I think that definitely gave the boys that kind of kick to say we're in this game. Um, you know, we've, we've battled against the adversity of being two guys down for the best part of a minute and a half and then another penalty kicking in after that um, and right at the death with about um, I think it's 61 seconds on the clock I think it was um, an absolute scramble from Thomas uh, nothing more than that really Dimmy, the Dimmy God as Joe would call him and will hail him because you know he is still the Dimmy God and pulled off some fantastic saves uh, in, in those pipes on Sunday night um yeah, he got the first save and the second one was just a scramble and Thomas was reacted to it, just lifted it over his pad and bundled into the net. Really, really low-key goal for Thomas Malazinski, it must be said. But they all count, they all count. Um, and then second period, sorry, third period, the kind of penalty pendulum swung our way slightly. Not massively, but we had a couple more power play opportunities and then Chris Jones kind of took over. Um, some very good classic power play work just move the puck around take your chance when it comes and he found a way um the first one in particular being quite a momentous goal for for aaron who again he's now on a thousand points we'll talk about that in slightly more detail in a second that's probably the worst assist he's ever gonna have and again they all count and it's probably the one (laughs) if you'd have pictured it and i said to aaron on saturday night that he was one point away um, he probably would have wanted to be one on one and ping it bar down um, instead of scramble scramble a puck a puck across to to CJ to tap into the back door. But again, they all count and the wins all that matters. Um, and again, third goal, delightful pass from Thomas Malazinski, completely fooled Dimmy God and CJ's there to slam it with the netminder looking the other way. Chris just lifts it uh, into the back of the net and yeah, controlled three 0 win. I thought Sheffield. Um, their top line's dangerous. Their top line is always going to be dangerous. They were missing Alex Graham and Vlad Volkanovs, um, who I think would have played a big part in that top six. Um, that said, they were pretty much a full strength apart from that. And the top line's good. Uh, the second line for me was under strength, and the third line was solid. And I think that was kind of the difference between the two um, between the two teams. You know, we were full strength. Um, we obviously now know maybe that there would have been an element of a Russ Cowley, but as we were to know at the time, we're full strength. And Chris Jones, who's a big part of our second line, scores two goals, which probably is the difference maker. Um, ultimately, a controlled win, professional win, and uh, a shutout for Rennie to back up what Dino did the night before is is big for both their confidences. Um, going forward into a 3-3, a three and three, I feel like it doesn't take an idiot to work out how the net minding tandem is probably going to go over the weekend. You're not going to play one guy three and three. You're going to probably want to give someone off a night in the middle. And the guy you're probably going to want to put in there is the man that's made the most appearances in Basingstoke Bison history. It makes sense to go 
Rennie Dino Rennie at the weekend, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I certainly think you're going to give Rennie two of the three, you're going to give Dino the other one. You're going to give, it, maybe depending on how Rennie does on Friday, if he has an absolute stormer, maybe run your hot hand on Saturday in Basingstoke against him again and give Dino the beast, you know, another rink where he's played a fair few minutes in his career in Slough. Okay, it's a different Slough rink now, but it's still Slough and he's played a couple of games there last year, so it's not as if he doesn't know that rink. Um, so yeah, I think it's safe to say that Skinsey's getting one of the two away games um, in that. But yeah, no, I mean, really good start to the season. Um, like I say, I'm defensively really impressive to start. You know, obviously the two shutouts, but even in the preseason, didn't really ship many goals. Um, obviously, you know, with Colby, not maybe seen the best of him yet, um, but still he's chipped in with a few goals again against Telford and okay against Hull on. You can't read too much into Hull, but um, yeah, he's chipped in and he's only going to get more comfortable in the team. Um, and it's good to see guys like Jack and Reed really t- starting to take a bigger role in the in the um, lines and getting that kind of trust of the of the coaching staff by the look of it. Um, yeah. And and I think also just to say you know, we can talk about Eddie Beberus as well just briefly he's settling in in that defensive role and we talked about that as being a big thing and yeah he looks he looked pretty comfortable in the last couple of games he was a bit frantic against Bristol in those first games but then I think the whole team were at times because it's that first game back and the first games back and the adrenaline's pumping and you it's all a bit everything's all a bit out of sync but yeah I think positive solid. Can't read too much into it yet because it is only one weekend of competitive hockey and really only one, unfortunately. Again, this is, I don't want to, you know, pile on hole too much, but one game of competitive hockey. Um, so there's going to be much tough, many tougher challenges to come over the next six, seven months. Blimey, six, seven months, it really is a long season, isn't it? Um, I'm going to kind of throw the microphone back at you, actually, and say, in Joe's absence, we have a vacancy for you to extend the uh, the Thomas Graham horror show Yay. to uh, to result roundups, and with a slight caveat to say, please don't expect us to go into too much detail because well, there isn't any. Yeah. So just a quick, you know, if there's anyone from the EIHA listening, particularly, so for anyone who has been living, you know. He was interested in stats or has been living under a stats based rock for the last few weeks. It's been noticed that Fixtures Live is no more. RIP Fixtures Live, everyone's favourite or not. Software software for keeping stats. And that is not the fault of the EIHA, let's say. That is due to the fact that the software has reached the end of its life and has been withdrawn from circulation and the EIHA simply aren't unable to use it anymore. Unfortunately, the replacement software isn't yet working, and there's differing reports on how long it might take, but a couple of places have said Christmas, so which is still a few months away, and hopefully hopefully we'll have something sooner, but at the moment there are... We're having to go back to the old pen and paper form of game sheets, so there are no, there's nothing online without trawling through teams' Twitter feeds to, to work out who scored what and when and who got the assists and I haven't had time to do that. So we are using the EIHA Game Centre, which is very ha- is a very helpful addition to the EIHA website, I have to say, um, but it does only have the scores. So 
that's how we're doing it. So, Friday, September the 16th, the Planet Ice National Ice Hockey League National Division, we'll just call it the National League, because I am not saying that every time, um, got, got underway for the 22-23 season in Peterborough, a scenic location for the start of the season, as the, as the Phantoms took on the Bees. 6-3 win for the Phantoms. Um... Like I say, don't know what happened. Do know that Joe Gretton got a match penalty though in that. So first, first, first game of the season, and we had our first ejection of the season. So well done, Joe. You have won that. But well, first competitive ejection. There was ejections in pre-season. Thank you, Basics that can bees for continuing your rivalry. On to Saturday. Obviously, obviously we know Swindon beat Hull twelve nil. Basingstoke 2, Peterborough 5, Peterborough completing the four-point weekend before they even got to Sunday. Um, comfortable win in Basingstoke in the end. A horror for memory. I, I do know a few bits. For memory, a horror start for Basingstoke. Conceded three in the first six, seven minutes of that game and kind of never, never was able to catch up. Um, Milton Keynes 4, Sheffield 3 in overtime. Liam Stewart scoring a hat-trick. More of that in a minute. As he as as he quite as, literally more quite literally more of that in a minute as he lifts including the overtime winner he lifts he lifts he lifts the lightning over the steel dogs yes sorry I was just gonna say uh, speaking of I don't know if you've seen that overtime winner I actually have so I can talk oh, yeah, slightly yeah. about the game yeah, yeah. Um, fair play is what I'm gonna say to him uh, yeah classic three on three overtime it looked like Sheffield and I'm not sure who the forward was had found the way past Jordan Headley and he just stuck a pad out literally as it was about to go over the line I think um, and then Disco picks the puck up and just goes coast to coast round the D-man and bar down for two points I'll have to watch that one later also big crowd in Milton Keynes on um, Saturday as as ever with the lightning so good to see uh, Bristol's first ever competitive National League game at home against the Raiders unfortunately for the Pitbulls a 4-3 loss to the Raiders I believe Adam Lation scored a couple for Romford he was filling in more on that later there's a lot of that going on tonight Owen Sobchak with a couple for Bristol on his debut and Leeds 7 Telford 4 um, the, the, the Knights carrying on where they left off in pre-season with pure offence and I think we're going to be saying that a lot this year. Kieran Brown opening the scoring in that one. Uh, the man of the Michigan as his goal. If anyone hasn't seen his goal in pre-season against Sheffield. It's now gone viral. It's now gone viral, it's now gone viral in North America, apparently. Um, yeah, he did He did the Michigan. He, he, we, we've had a Michigan at National League level. Um, and let's be honest, it was only ever going to be Kieran Brown who was going to pull that one off. Possibly the most talented young British player in terms of pure talent that I've seen in a long time and I would probably include Liam Kirk in that um, going on to Sunday Bees turning around the 6-3 result getting the win at home to the Bison 6-3 um, a lack trick as Alan, as Alan Lack scores 3 in that one um, I've been told by our man in the Hive or whatever we're calling it now the new Hive that the second goal is particularly one to watch when the highlights of that one come out or they may have come out by the time this goes on to on the um, on the internet Sheffield nil Swindon 3 we've talked about Hull nil Milton Keynes 9 didn't get much better for Hull although they did keep it to single figures on Sunday um, another hat-trick from Liam Stewart like I say a tough start for Hull but hopefully help is on the way hopefully help is on the way for them and 
like as Ben said, they they've got the potential to be a good side at this level when they can get players in. Bodies back. Telford also turning around the result. A seven four loss away on um Saturday. A seven four win against the Bristol Pitbulls on Sunday. No idea who scored in that game actually, <laughs> to be honest. I think Sobchat might have got a couple more for Bristol. Don't know who scored for Telford. This is how professional we are here at the Wildcast when Joe's not around. And the Raiders 2, Leeds 6, again, an offensive powerhouse show for Leeds. They actually went behind in that game to a goal, I think, from Blaslav Novak, I saw. Then just demolished the Raiders with six unanswered before a late Raiders consolation. Um, the Colshard, we got a couple. Grant Cooper, who seems to be scoring in every game. We said, we said on here, potential to be one of the best players in the league question is how you stop them from scoring and then when you've got Sam Gospel at the other end that is a team that's going to be up there all year and they're going to be competing on all fronts with the likes of the Lightning and hopefully other teams including the Wildcats can match that but yeah going to be um, tough for defences when you've got well I think I saw their lines where their top line is Barnes, Barnes, Matt Hayward and Kieran Brown who's captain this year actually that's a bit of a storyline there that's an interesting choice but I think potentially a good choice and second line of your two imports, Grant Cooper and Zach Brooks, along with Cole Shudra. That's a legit top six. So that was the National League scores from the weekend. Um, a literal fly through those because there really isn't much else to say on those. Um, yeah, do we have anything else to say about those games in particular? Um, specifically, no. Um, yeah. Those were the results. Anything that jumped out to you in those results? Um, yeah, no, probably not, really. Leeds have got offence. Yeah, we called that. Yeah. That was going to happen. Um, whole shipping 21 over the weekend. I probably didn't see that. Mind you, if you'd have said to me after Saturday night, would Milton Keynes not get double figures, that possibly would have surprised me. Um, but I'm... Delighted they didn't because Hull deserve not to have that happen to them I mean, in the, at home. Six, six goals in two games for Liam Stewart. Yeah, six, six. Four. Yeah, Disco has arrived. Not that we ever thought. Well, I mean, there was the rumour that he was going to Greenville. We still have no idea what happened there. Um, yeah, Disco is back, uh, doing Disco things, scoring goals, and just generally loving hockey. I suppose the one thing is. Did we peg the bees to get a six goal or six three win against the Bison, including an Alan Lack hat trick? I definitely didn't see a Lack trick. Uh, cheers, Joe. Uh, you may not be here, but your Joeisms will still live yeah. on forever. Um, yeah, the Lack trick didn't see it. Fair enough. I look forward to seeing it. Like like Tom said, Joe said it's good. It's gonna be good. Um, simple as that. And listen to the highlights because you know I'm gonna say it in case he's listening. His commentary is very good, because I can be nice to him now. He's not here to defend himself. He's really very good. Yeah, he is. He is very good at what he does. Um, so I guess we should talk about the other little bit of news from actually that last game, the Raiders-Leeds game. So I mentioned Adam Leishram, scored twice. Obviously Adam Leishram last year of the Milton Keynes Lightning. A very smart man by all accounts, because he's doing a Masters at one of the KCL or UCL or one of the high-end London universities this year and 
isn't focused on hockey, so the Raiders had to bring a new import in, having lost Ryan Shaw to the Canadian police force. Um, and the name of said import is, and I've got this written down, Matija Gomacic. So what do we know about Matija Gomacic? Well, he's come from the Atlanta Gladiators of the ECHL, where he put up three points in 17 games in the second half of last year after playing the first half of last year in his final year of U-Sports. Um, he's a six foot three Canadian power forward, and perhaps the most interesting thing about him, and also maybe one of the sadder facts of this story, is he played for the Humboldt Broncos, and before you ask, yes, he played for that Humboldt Broncos team. He is a survivor of the quite frankly tragic crash from a few years ago in 2017-2018 that obviously took the lives of so many of his teammates and coaches and friends um, in Canada Um, around Coventry weekend wasn't it over Coventry weekend that year yeah so kind of around then um, I believe I read I did a little bit of reading I believe he was actually the first um, when he signed for Atlanta in the ECHL he was the first member of that team to sign a pro contract as well which is a nice story but I mean, so I think regardless of how he does, you want him to succeed. <laughs> like, he's a player who has every every fan, I'm sure, behind him. Apart from when they're playing his team. He's playing their team, obviously. You don't want him to, you don't want him to perform those nights. But, yeah, obviously, great to see. Um, it's a bit, He looks like a pickup for the Raiders. I think he adds that big physical power forward that they were looking for in Ryan Shaw. Um, who obviously, unfortunately, never made it over here because of... Well, fortunately for him um, getting that career opportunity in Canada so yeah looks a, um, an interesting pickup, and I, he's over here so hopefully he'll be in very soon potentially this weekend yeah I think if you're uh, if you're Sean Easton and the Raiders fans you're definitely going to want him to be in this weekend um, but equally I guess it's nice to have that cushion that if he's not you assume that um, Adam Laysham can can lace him up for another another couple of games Um yeah, obviously on the the Raiders social media, I've got a picture of him in the rink on Sunday, which is always a good sign in terms of visas and the like. Um, wearing jersey 91, I think he was. So he looks tall. He looks like he's a just what everyone in the league probably hoped the Raiders didn't sign. Yeah. Um, someone else that's going to be really difficult to play against in that really difficult rink. Yeah. Um, so equally, if you're Sean Easton, you're rubbing your hands together and smiling very happy on that one. Um, but yeah, no, he, he does look like a solid pickup. Obviously, the the Humboldt uh, connection is going to be probably on the lips of most people. Um, incredible to see survived it, uh, carries on playing the game that he loved, and you know, hopefully, like you said, with the exception of probably when they play Swindon, I certainly will be wishing him the best of luck every time he steps on that ice. Um, yeah. Anything else of drastic? things to talk about we haven't really discussed Aaron scoring a thousand points so I'm going to talk about that right now um sorry the pause there was because there just are no words um a thousand points and for those of you that are listening that may not have seen it that's a thousand points for Swindon not a thousand points in his entire career um so we can you know add the the Sheffield and the Coventry years onto that as well um unbelievable just for, just incredible and the first British player in Wildcats history to do it um, the second player ever in Wildcats or Swindon hockey history to do it um, only behind Daryl Lipsy and spoiler alert Aaron's 
probably going to hopefully overtake Daryl at some point this season. Closing in fast. He is closing in quite quickly. I'm not going to say numbers because if Aaron is listening, I don't want you to know yet. Um, just keep scoring points. Um, yeah, just a phenomenal achievement. Yeah, yeah. As you say, there's not a lot. You can say a 1,000 points for one club is a achievement that very few players at this level ever or very few players in British hockey have ever achieved um, I mean certainly in the modern era as well obviously you, when you compare him you know to guys like his dad or to Daryl Lipsy okay Lip has done it in a lot less games than Aaron but the era is so different you know this isn't the era of 2017 games sort of thing or 35 nil wins this is the era of three four three fours I don't know why I did that went round. I was three twos, four threes, those sort of things. Um, it's been a long overtime day. Wins. It's been overtime wins. It's been a long day. You know, tight games and yeah, it's it's a it's a phenomenal. Like I say, the I think the last player I remember seeing score a thousand points for one team was Andy Smith in Victor. Um, I think he got over that number a few years ago. Um, not long, more than a few years ago now, but um, yeah, it's a phenomenal achievement to have that kind of num- those sort of career points for one cl- for one club and to still be doing it and he's not you know he's he, Aaron I don't know he's you know early 30s Aaron I can't know exactly how old he is off the top of my head but he's still potentially got a couple more years left in him as well to to, con- to continue adding to that record and I think it's safe to say that if and when he does overtake Lippers mark and again we won't say how far away he is because we don't want to jinx it we don't want you know, anything like that, it's going to be a record that stands forever. Like, no one is going to come near that mark again. And I think, you know, Anthony Russell, I saw Anthony Russell of Bounds on the Wall all comments, you know, he is one of the premier British scorers of his generation. And that is true. Whether you like Aaron now, whether you rate him, whether you loathe him, he is, he is, um, yeah, one of the premier British scorer certainly at this level of his generation and yeah, we've been very very lucky to have him in, him in Swindon and when he does hang up the skates that's going to be a huge hole to fill because it's an import sized hole that you can't fill with an import yeah pretty much um, let's not worry about that one yeah. today long time long... yeah please keep going Aaron please, keep going, Aaron. Not, please. Um, but I am going to say this uh, there's been two achievements in the last 12 months 12-18 months that I think have been there's just no words to describe them. Uh, Aaron's is one. Uh, Bully, I'm talking about you again, is the other for games played. Um, Steve, if you listen to this podcast, I don't want to see anyone wear 13 or 19 ever again. You know what I mean. Um, Aaron, I know you don't. You're not going to want me to say that, but I'm sorry. But those those are the next two to be yeah. hung up virtually in those rafters because we can't put them up properly. We all know that in all likelihood, 13 is getting retired because that's Alan's choice we also all know that 19 is going to be a blood jersey the next year because that's just the way that Ned would want it yeah absolutely so if if your dad's listening um, don't let him do it um, yeah I don't think there's much else to talk about no, no, no I mean it's week one week one we've got yeah. to talk about still we haven't done a league table because well A um, trying to find one with the exception of the ones that, the super, uh, that David Strove has done uh is kind of again not going to happen. Um, technically, Swindon are top at the moment. 
Stop the count. Stop the count. Uh, <laughs> but like we said, this is uh, week one of a six, seven month season, so I'm not going to start talking about league tables just yet. Um, Should we talk about week two? Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah. I I was. He's taken the words out of my mouth. Unfortunately, uh, new season, same horror show. Let's just see how this goes. Well, the good news is I don't have fixtures live anymore, so I had to actually write, plan this and write it down. So, Friday night hockey at the Lynx Center as the Wildcats take on the Bison. It's a 7.30 face-off. Um, get your tickets, get your streams, get your pizzas, get everything on Ticketco. There. I, I, am, I, am, I am killing this. Um, sa- killing it probably in a way that... <laughs> I, a different way. Yeah, a different <laughs> way to how I think I'm killing it. Yeah. Saturday, it's a, it's a double away weekend when we get to the weekend. Um, Saturday, we were in, in Basingstoke as we take on the Bison, 6.30 face-off. No streams there, but you can still get your tickets. And Sunday, we're in Slough to take on the Bees. We'll see Joe. Joe will be there. Looking down at us from his commentary position, which, like I say, if, you, if anyone follows Joe on Instagram or his friends of him on Facebook, look at his photos. That is a very steep angle that they've put him at this year. 5pm um, face-off in Slough get your streams if you're not going and listen to our former colleague um, otherwise go and cheer on the boys could have been worse do you know what that after, could have been after, worse after five months yeah after the best part of like you said six months away from doing that that could have been a lot worse and yeah you're right um, if you can't make it to Slough um, listen to Joe because yet again he's good he's very good at what he does and he's going to kill me for saying that twice in the same episode that's kind of it really that's episode 53 there's not really much there probably is things we've probably forgotten about um and if there is i'm sorry um you know we're still getting back into the swing of things and we will be for a probably a couple more weeks but yeah there's hockey this weekend there's three games of hockey this weekend so to me my partner may not agree sounds like a brilliant weekend um hopefully next week I may have some internet, so this may sound slightly less echoey, but thank you, Tom, for, for hosting me in your kitchen. That's right. Um, and all that's left for me to say is uh, enjoy your hockey this weekend, and let's see how the results go. We'll be back, fingers crossed, next week for episode 54.